Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode, where we're going to discuss a topic that Deb has been after me to do for some time now, and that is some of the most baffling and mysterious disappearances. But we're going to focus mainly on one location, the Alaskan Triangle, aka the Other Devil's Triangle. Hey Deb. Hey. I know you've researched this one pretty good, so are you ready to jump in? Yes, absolutely. So let's hear the background. All right. So the Alaskan Triangle is a remote area infamous for alien abductions, Bigfoot sightings, paranormal phenomena, and vanishing airplanes. More people go missing in the area known as the Alaskan Triangle than anywhere else in the United States. Since 1988, more than 16,000 people have disappeared here, and that's over twice the national average. In any given year, between 500 to 2,000 people go missing in Alaska to never be seen again. Authorities conduct hundreds of rescue missions and often return without finding the missing person. Or any evidence of them at all. The disappearances have, blamed, have been blamed on everything from severe weather to aliens, swirling energy vortexes, Bigfoot, and an evil shape-shifting demon of Lingan Indian lore called Kushtaka. The Alaskan Triangle runs from the state's largest city of Anchorage in the south to Juneau in the southeast panhandle, then to Barrow, a small town on the state's north coast. The area inside of the Triangle is also some of North America's most unforgiving wilderness and terrain. Those are some enormous statistics. You know, this area is nearly all of eastern Alaska, near where many tourists visit and most of the population lives. You know, during tourist season, tourist season, excuse me, alone, there are so many people wandering around flabbergasted by the sheer beauty of the wilderness and quaint little towns. If I had to guess, many missing person reports are not just runaways or lost hikers, but also bold tourists wanting to experience even more. I know I would. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you're right about that, but I think the most inhabited part would be along the coast, but there's a lot of indigenous tribes and areas that tourists go visit in that area. Right. You're absolutely right, yeah. You know, this area really didn't start to be noticed, though, by the general public until around October 1972, 
when a small private plane carrying U.S. House Majority Leader Hal Boggs, Alaskan Congressman Nick Bejic, and his aide Russell Brown, along with their bush pilot Don Johns, and it seemingly vanished in the thin air while flying from Anchorage to Juneau. For over a month, they had 50 civilian planes and 40 military aircraft, plus dozens of boats that covered an area of 32,000 square miles, but no trace of the plane, the men, wreckage, or debris was ever found to this day. Hey, fun fact, Boggs was Cokie Roberts' father. Did you know that? Who's Cokie Roberts? Remind us. She is an American journalist. I think she was pretty I mean, famous. author. Yeah, I think she was pretty famous for getting uh, NPR going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, a popular theory on this disappearance is that there was a bomb exploded on the plane, or there another one is because he had a role in the Warren Commission, which was... Uh, they were supposed to investigate Kennedy's assassination. I have an opinion that they boarded the plane and it took off despite warning of low visibility. Nine minutes later, that plane crashed into either a mountain or a glacier, which can be even larger than one can imagine. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I don't think they've still found any evidence of the crash, so it's Not possible. Yet. Yeah. Not yet. But you know, this isn't the only plane crash or a plane that has gone missing there. In the 1950s, there was a Douglas C-54 Skymaster, military aircraft carrying an eight-man crew with 36 passengers. The plane lost contact with the ground and was never heard from again. You know, incidentally, there were two separate reports of UFO activity in the area around that time of the disappearance. One was a week before, one was just two days afterwards. The Army ended up conducting the largest military search and rescue mission at that time and found nothing. To this day, it's known as one of the largest groups of military personnel to ever go missing at the same time. Then, a Cessna 340, carrying a pilot and four passengers, vanished in 1990, never to be heard from again. Disappearances without a trace are strangely typical of cases in the region, and these type of cases aren't rare but neither are UFO experiences. In 1986, a Japanese plane was flying from Iceland to Anchorage when it came across three UFOs. The three unidentified flying objects followed the airliner for approximately 400 miles from the Alaska, through the Alaskan Triangle. One of the objects was reported as being twice the size of an aircraft carrier. The crew reported seeing flashing lights following their plane and air traffic controllers also witnessed something unidentifiable on their radar that was reported to be as close as five miles from the plane. The pilot claimed that at one point, the two smaller ships appeared directly in front of the airplane at pretty close range. He described the two small ships and then a mother ship disappearing and reappearing quickly, moving fast and stopping suddenly which is impossible for a normal airliner to do. It just goes completely against our laws, our known laws of physics. In order to escape the UFO, the pilot received permission from the ground crew to fly at a lower altitude. While making several turns, to elude the objects, but nothing he did could evade them. After about 32 minutes, the UFOs disappeared, although the pilot claimed that he thought that the entire encounter lasted much longer than that. 
Okay, but since 1988, there have been over 560 reported UFOs, and this is per the National UFO Reporting Center in Alaska, with the majority of the sightings in the Alaskan Triangle. In episode 12, Goats, Spies, and Third Eyes, remember we spoke about one of the remote viewers, a man named Pat Price, who claimed to have had remotely viewed an alien base in Mount Hayes, which is in the Triangle. According to Pat Price, the aliens that lived deep inside Mount Hayes were very human-looking, different only in their heart, lungs, blood, and eyes. Rather notably, despite the controversial nature of his story, we find that the U.S. military took a great deal of interest in tales of UFO activity in Alaska. In the formative years of the subject, for example, formally classified FBI files tell of startling UFO encounters in Alaska in a period of 1947 to 1950. In August of 1947, there was a highly impressive account of a UFO incident involving two serving members of the military that was given to the FBI at Anchorage. The report began, This is to advise that the two Army officers reported to the Office of the Director of Intelligence Headquarters, Alaskan Department, at Fort Richardson, Alaska. They had witnessed an object passing through our air at a tremendous rate of speed, which could not be judged as to the miles per hour it was going. This was forwarded to the FBI by an official U.S. Naval source. The confidential three-page intelligent report paints a startling picture of multiple UFO encounters involving the military titled Unidentified Phenomena in Vicinity of Kodiak, Alaska. It concerns a report of sightings of unidentified airborne objects by various naval personnel. And on January 22nd and 23rd of 1950, there is enough in this report to about cover its own episode, so we're not really going to get in the weeds of it too much. It basically describes multiple encounters of two fighter pilots, which also was witnessed by radar and some naval ships in the area. Somewhere in the end of the report, someone wrote, probably just a meteorite. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Does any of this prove that there really is an alien base deep within Alaska's Mount Hayes, as Pat Price has suggested? Of course not. Do you think, perhaps, <clears throat> at least some of these reports could be attributed to the Northern Lights? I don't know, but the Northern Lights are seen all the time, and I think the Northern Lights are pretty obvious of what they are. So I, I would lean towards saying no, I don't think it'd be the Northern Lights. I, I feel like I read something where uh, SpaceX or an airline or something went through the the lights <clears throat> and did a fuel dump, and it created this odd-looking blue cloud that was abnormal through you know, when viewing the Northern Lights. So that's why I'm thinking, you know, maybe something extraordinary happened. Or something did a fuel dump or something like that. Well, mm -hmm. then it would have been other military aircraft in the area, and I would think that the military would know they had other aircraft in the area. No. If, if that, yeah. but it's a possibility. True. True. It's easy to write off the disappearances as people getting lost and quickly succumbing to the elements. But the numbers seem too staggering for such an easy answer. One possible reason for the disappearing planes could be they are hidden by the terrain. 
An example of this would be the 1947 disappearance of the British South American Airways Lancastrian III airliner named Stardust, which disappeared en route from Buenos Aires, Argentina to Santiago, Chile, and its fate was unknown for over 50 years until two Argentinian climbers found the plane's wreckage while ascending Mount Tupanganato in 1998, and investigators concluded that the Stardust had likely crashed into a nearly vertical glacier, which had caused an avalanche that buried it within minutes. During the search for Boggs plane, they found other wreckages and, and debris, so there is still a chance that any disappearance could eventually be solved over time. Uh, yes, and I agree. And with the trend of the warming climate, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. I think there's probably still a better chance. It's like those Argentinian climbers. You know, I'm sure that the glacier had melted and, and right. moved and some of the plane was able to be seen then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think you're right, Deb, 100%. But, you know, still it seems unlikely that a similar avalanche would have covered or occurred in every plane that's gone missing over the Alaskan Triangle. And what about the lost hikers, tourists, and Alaskan residents who weren't flying in planes? Lost hikers could mistake some glaciers as solid enough to climb and it it not be at some point and cause an event that buries them. Yeah, that, that could be true for some of the hikers, but I would say that's probably a small percentage. Maybe. Okay, so where does Bigfoot come into play? What about energy vortexes and shape-shifting demons? And what about plain old animal attacks? There are an expansive amounts of forest and uncharted wilderness in Alaska, which certainly makes it a perfect location for Bigfoot to hide out. And I'm, I'm a fan of the big guy. Now, there are numerous reports of Bigfoot sightings throughout the entire state. Some reports include trace evidence of nesting sites, a possible Bigfoot skeleton, an unidentified hair sample, and there are even witnesses who have reported seeing a swimming Sasquatch during their encounters. <laughs> I hope he wasn't wearing a Speedo. <laughs> you know, some villages have even completely relocated as a result of terrifying encounters with Sasquatch, which is surprising because the common understanding is that the creature prefers isolated areas and is in general quite peaceful. If you think they are truly peaceful creatures, maybe you should listen to the tribal elders of Portlock talk about Nantinnock a.k.a. Sasquatch. Which do you prefer most, Nantinok or Sasquatch? You seem to like saying both. I think Sasquatch. (laughs) It's just got a (laughs) ring to it. According to the people in Alaska, though, Bigfoot is very confrontational. He's He's a mean creature and maybe one of the reasons why so many people go missing if they encounter one face to face. They don't believe in a warm, fuzzy, Harry and the Hendersons type of Bigfoot there, especially the indigenous tribes. Now, we have to take a look at the possibility of an energy vortex. An energy vortex is a specific location on Earth where energy is concentrated at a specific point, either entering or emanating out of the Earth's plane. They are believed to exist at the intersections of ley lines, or random lines of natural energy running below the Earth's surface. 
and make up the Earth's electromagnetic field. An energy vortex can be positive, leading to an enhanced well-being and healthy, or it can be negative and draining, causing poor health and mental stress. These negative vortexes are, re are referred to as vile vortexes. Vile vortexes are claimed to exhibit extreme electric, magnetic, and electromagnetic anomalies. It's like two magnets. You can put uh, opposing sides and it pushes apart. Or they pull together. You put the same side together, they push apart. Mm -hmm. Magnet magnetic fields on humans and the world works the same way. There are actually some pretty famous locations along these ley lines and the associated vortexes, which includes Stonehenge, Easter Island, and the pyramids of Egypt. Some of the theories that the energy vortexes are actually doorways in the spiritual dimensions and are gateways to other realms, kind of like a parallel universe. All of these things could explain why people and vehicles such as ships or planes go missing in these regions at such an astonishing rate. Okay, so maybe energy vortex, but let's not forget about Kushtaka, or Otterman, according to the Tinglet people whose origins are said to go back over 11,000 years. Their name means people of the tides. Their legends say there is a shape-shifting demon named Kushtaka, who is a cross between a man and an otter. That's kind of a fun name to say, too. Mm -hmm. It is said to lure people to their impeding doom by attracting most people to the water by portraying children or women who are screaming for help. It also said that when the Kushtaka, also known as the Otter Man, captures these lost people, it then steals their souls. It is a folklore that has never been proven, but it's still kind of frightening thought, to say the least. So what about well-known animal attacks? Here are some of the most dangerous animals to roam around the soils of Alaska. The grizzly bear. The black bear, Deb's favorite, the polar bear, the wolf, and some you typically wouldn't think of like a walrus and a moose. But how dangerous are these animals to most people? As a matter of fact, the highest numbers of attacks from animals has been attributed to domestic dogs. A study showed that American Indian and Alaska Native kids had suffered more attacks from domestic dogs than in the general U.S. population. A dog attack is a general concern for Americans with over 4 million people getting bit every year. But use common sense, as most wild animals won't attack if you don't infringe on their territories. And there was actually like four reports of a bear attack in 10 years in Alaska. So, I mean, animal attacks, I don't know. But how many people really go missing in the Alaskan Triangle? Roughly one out of every 250 people have vanished in the Alaskan Triangle. It, is also, it also has the highest number of missing people who are never found. In 2007, for instance, 2,833 people were reported missing. When compared to the state's comparatively low population of 670,000 at that time, that equates to about 4 in every 1,000 people. Wow, that's a lot of people with zero explanation. So, Deb... We're coming down to the close of this, but I'd really like to hear your theories on some of these disappearances. Where are you at on this? Well, first, I am surprised by the statistic that there's not more wild animal attacks because people are curious creatures, and 
when you're visiting Alaska, you just want to see it all. And I can totally envision people, oh, look at the fluffy white bear. Let's get closer and get a close-up or a selfie. And I'm just, I'm baffled that there aren't more animal attacks because they, they will defend their territory. But to your question, I, I'm going to chalk them up, and, and I feel strongly that most of these disappearances are of some sort of natural occurrence like um, a low visibility and the plane can't see and they fly into a, gra a glacier or you know an engine fails and they crash in the wilderness never to be seen again. Um, hikers can get lost easily if they're not familiar with the territory and since it's uncharted much of that is unfamiliar territory so I'm I'm going with the natural cause. I kind of agree it's kind of a natural <laughs> cause, but I'm more in line with the energy vortex type of deal. And not like a, a black hole or, you know, um, what do you call it? You know, portal. Portal, thank you. I think it's more of the electromagnetic anomalies that happen. Um, the compasses are known to be 30 to 40 degrees off. That'll put a plane right into a mountain. Huh. Um, that'll put hikers right into a crevasse. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's more along those lines, things that, that we don't know. But we've also got to wonder, what about the Black Pyramid right in the middle of the Alaskan Triangle? That is a tell for another time. <laughs> and folks, with that, thank you so much for listening. We're going to bring this episode to a close. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash forever paranormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.